Welcome to the Gospel Centered Pro Life Podcast. We're going to take right up where we left off on part one of the episode about the goodness of God. This will be part two, and we think it will be a blessing to you as well. So stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Use me, Lord, use me, Lord. So um, another one is Mephibosheth. Yeah, that's always try and say that ten times. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough name. <laughs> Mephibosheth. So he was the son of Jonathan, grandson of of King Saul, and he had a life that from the beginning was almost completely filled with danger, trauma, and suffering. Yeah, he was only five years old, I think, when um, Saul was killed. So his grandfather is killed. Yeah, and um, and his father. And Jonathan his father. And Saul were killed and, in the same and day. And his father. And the nurse then, as David's army is coming in, the nurse, Mephibosheth's nurse, fears for her life and Mephibosheth's life because she doesn't know David's heart, and I think she thinks David's going to come get revenge on the house of Saul. Yeah. Which would be natural that you would think that. So she flees with little little Mephibosheth in her arms, drops him. <laughs> And cripples him yeah. at age five, and he's crippled for the rest of his life. He cannot walk. So, well, I'm not sure if he can't walk or what the. Well, it seems like that. Yeah, actually, I've just is. in my time with the Lord in the mornings, I've been reading through Samuel, First and Second Samuel, okay. and read this story. I've read it before, but just kind of read it afresh. And uh, it seems, yeah, he's he's crippled. He can't walk. He. Uh, I don't know what the mechanisms for people who were handicapped in that way were. Yeah, what did they do back I mean, then? They have wheelchairs. But, they, I don't but know. But yeah, not only is he dropped and crippled, but you know he's lost his father, he's lost his grandfather, and he's lost his inheritance. Yeah, he was an inherit right. He was he was the grandson of the king. He had all this uh, probably wonderful stuff coming to him, and all of a sudden. He doesn't know, but he yeah. thinks he's he's lost it all. Yeah. But then that's not the end of... He suffers. There's no doubt. From an early age, he suffers. Yeah. But it, that's not the end of the story for, for Mephibosheth. No, no. Thankfully for him, it's not. David yeah. ultimately, at one point, um, says, Is there any descendant of Saul or of Jonathan? Um, I think he says, is, is there anyone from the house of Saul, descendant right. of Jonathan, that I might yeah. bless for the sake of Jonathan? Yeah. And ultimately he finds Mephibosheth, and um, one of his right-hand men says, hey, yeah, there's this, there's this kid. I guess at that point he was older. I don't know how old he was. I don't right. think the Bible yeah. says. But he brings him into his house and provides for him. And later on there's, there's some more to the story, and um, we won't get into that. But ultimately it's redemptive. Right. And I think it, again, it should encourage us Mm -hmm. that in the midst of suffering, in the midst of things that go on in our lives that, I mean, really it boils down to things that are done to us that are not really as a result of our own sin, our own decisions. I think we can can understand when things, when bad things happen to us because we've sinned or because we made dumb decisions, you know? I think that's easier to take. We know we brought it on ourselves. It's when it's unexplained, I think that it is harder. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly the story here. This this man didn't do anything wrong. This young, this five-year-old kid didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. But there's redemption in that. Yeah. 
And I think we can say, well, okay, well, where's my redemption? These yeah. moms coming to the abortion center, okay, well, I've had this terrible life, yeah. and now I'm pregnant. Right. And how in the world? I mean, God allowed that. He allowed this. He allowed this. And now he's allowed me to get pregnant. Yeah. What is going on yeah. here with this But they're God? only seeing to that moment, yeah. uh, up to the pregnancy, and not seeing beyond what God's plan is and what he, what he has in store. And, and I know when we're in any terrible situation, it feels like this is where I'll be the rest of my life. And yeah. that's never the truth. Right, yeah. Well, I remember... Now, I'm not trying to at all compare my story to the story of the young lady you shared when we started right. out. Yeah. Certainly wasn't as, as horrific as that. I mean, I was blessed and, and thankful that I had parents who who did the right thing in so many ways. But uh, I remember finding out when uh, my wife was pregnant. Right. We were in high school. And I remember one of the first things I did, and it was in my own selfishness. But I remember blaming God. Right. And I remember saying out loud, God, why did you allow this to happen? Yeah. And I remember saying specifically, God, you hate me. I know you hate me because you allowed this to happen. Yeah. Did he answer? He, he, he didn't answer. <laughs> he didn't answer directly. <laughs> but in reflection, I'm thinking how selfish I was. Now, again, my scenario was, was a good bit different. But I remember crying out to God and even blaming God for that whole situation. But now I look back. And at that time, my life was over, right? right? Here right. I am in high school, got a baby. How in the world is this going to work out for right. good? Right, yeah. My life is over. Yeah. Little did I know that was the best thing for me. My life needed yeah. to be over because the yeah. life that I was living was was full of selfishness and sin. Mm-hmm. And the Lord used that, you know, unwanted pregnancy, air quotes, yeah, to uh, really turn my life around. Yeah. We've got a daughter who is a blessing. She's 22 years old. She's, she's a blessing to our family. Yeah. Uh, me and my wife are married, eight kids now, so I see the redemption of God. Yeah, That situation that I thought was the end of the world actually turned out for my good. Yeah, I couldn't see it at the time. No. I'm telling you, at the time, if you would have tried to tell me that there would be any good that would come out of that, that whole situation, I would have called you a liar. Right, and right. And I was doubting the goodness of God. Yeah, yeah. But, but there was good. light at the end of that tunnel. And yeah. the thing is, when you're in the tunnel, it's pretty dark. It's pretty tough to see. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think one of the things that is helpful, and as we encourage people when we're doing trainings, because we do trainings um, with sidewalk counselors and really get into some of the hard cases. That's I think that's really yeah. where a lot of the fears lie in people. Like, well, what do I say if someone says they were raped? What do I say if someone lays out this story like what we laid out in the beginning? Right. How do I answer this? And one of the encouragements that we give is sharing testimonies. Mm-hmm. Sharing testimonies is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And there are so many testimonies because God is so good yeah. and has brought redemption in so many situations yeah. You'd be hard-pressed to find a situation that's not comparable, a current situation in somebody's life that's not compar- comparable to a past situation that has redemption in it. Exactly, and you're talking about testimonies of the people that we know, and the Bible yeah. obviously is also filled with testimonies of yeah. people who who suffered, struggled, and ultimately did see redemption. Yeah, absolutely. So, so both, I think, are very, very va- valuable, the biblical Stories and then the the stories of people here and now that that we know maybe maybe even ourselves yeah absolutely so how about the beggar crippled from birth okay he was another one um, who X three tells the story of of that man but so from birth he's got it even worse than Mephibosheth yeah Mephibosheth at least had five years that 
he could walk or crawl or whatever. But this man in, in Acts 3 had been crippled from birth. So his entire life, from infancy to adulthood, when we meet him in Acts 3, he's an adult begging um, outside the temple. And um, he's in complete dependence on others to care for his needs. Yeah. In fact, he had to be carried each day to where they, I don't know who carried him, friends or whatever, family would carry him to the gate called Beautiful, yeah. a spot at the gate called Beautiful and uh, the temple gate. And his only manner of taking care of himself was to beg. He would beg for alms. And he did this his entire life that was his life to be crippled and to be carried where he could he could beg for alms so you know total dependency on others no hope for a normal life at all he knows he's got a you know a lifelong crippling condition and he couldn't even take care of himself he couldn't he had no employment other than being um being a beggar yeah so that's a pretty dismal outlook yeah absolutely especially if you think about it in that day and age right you didn't have social welfare systems you basically had to beg for money you had to beg for food if you didn't have the means to be able to work and you didn't have family that was going to provide for you then you had to rely on the goodness of people that were passing by you didn't have whatever these social welfare programs welfare programs are you didn't have disability you couldn't draw disability in those days right. you were really beholden to the people that right. were walking by every day yeah yeah so you know he has to have wondered about is is god good he's yeah. outside the temple so i assume he at least had some sort of knowledge of god and then he sees peter and john and are we going there did sure. you want to look at look at that just one of, you know, every every Bible study class as a kid, you probably heard this story. But when I, I don't know that I ever thought much about what a terribly depressing place he was coming from when he sees Peter and John entering the t- temple and he asks them for charity. Yeah. He reaches out his hands and mm-hmm. ask, asking for alms. It's just mm-hmm. what he did day by day. Mm-hmm. And... Peter and John look at him and say, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have, uh, we give to you. Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this man rises up and, and walks. And right. ultimately, the redemption, of course, is in the fact that he is healed, right? But it goes beyond that. And here's where I think, again, testimonies are so important. And we're talking to abortion-minded women at the abortion center, sharing testimonies with them, because this guy ultimately is a sign to the people in the temple, and when everybody looks and they, they notice this man, this is the guy who was out in front of the gate day by day, and he couldn't walk. Now he's leaping for joy. What's going on here? Right. Attention is drawn to him, and ultimately attention is drawn to James, or I'm sorry, to Peter and John, and they preach the gospel. Right. And this guy's life and the redemption that comes, even through the suffering, and I believe this guy at that point was 40 years old. So 40 yeah. years of not being able to walk, 40 years of... Really, I'm sure, a lot of rejection, because most people passing by are probably not giving him alms. He's reaching out his hand, and they're smacking it down. Yeah. And yet this guy's life is not just redeemed in the fact that he can walk, but it's redeemed in the fact that God is using him as a testimony, mm-hmm. and people are going to get saved through this guy's healing. That's right. So, so eternal life to so many people through the suffering and then redemption 
of of the man crippled yeah. from birth. So, and these stories are in the scriptures for that purpose yeah. to show us God's redeeming power yeah. to show us that there is no situation that God can't intervene in that God can't move in. And again, I know the question is, well, God didn't intervene at this point, right? God could have could have intervened even with Mephibosheth, right? He's five mm-hmm. years old. His, uh, he could have caught him as the nurse drops right, yeah. him. The, the, his caretaker <laughs> yeah. could have, God could have sent an angel to steady her. God, There's all kinds of things that we could think, well, God could have did this and God could have did that. And God didn't, so why? And is he good because he didn't? Right. And again, we're not going to answer that question. We're not going to bring an answer to the age-old question of evil and all of that. But what we do have to do is look at the scriptures, look at the testimonies, look at what God has done and Mm -hmm. what God, I believe, because he doesn't change, can do in a person's life. And sharing from that perspective, here's what I think of folly for us sometimes. And so if you guys don't grab anything else from this, just, just remember this little point here. When someone is sharing with us their grief, right? we always want to try to give an answer. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, People are not looking for an answer, right. even when they're talking about the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, is God good because he allowed this and this? What they really want is for you to identify with their suffering, yeah. to identify with their pain. To hear them. To hear them, to be a listening ear, yeah. and to say, I'm sorry that you went through that. Right. I've did that even with some of the pro-abortion people out yep. here on the sidewalk. Yep. They, I've had some of them pour out their yeah. story to me. And they're asking me, so why did your God allow this? Yeah. And one of my answers is, you guys might might not appreciate this, but it was kind of trying to connect on the level that they can understand, is one young man that was sharing with me some of the things that had gone on in his life, and he asked me why, and I said, you know what? I'm not sure why, but sometimes yeah. life sucks. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. life just sucks. Yeah. And there's no explanation for it. I can't give you some big uh, theological explanation for it. But I think theologically, we can say life sucks sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Stuff happens. Yeah. And it happens to everybody, some to varying degrees and on different levels. But when someone's pouring out their heart, when you're talking to an abortion-minded mom and she's just laying out this just terrible story of what she's gone through, really what we need to do is enter into that suffering. Yeah. I, I've, I've touched yeah. on this before. But the Lord really spoke this to me some years ago, the word compassion. You know, the Bible says that that Jesus looked on the multitudes with compassion. Mm-hmm. We've got to have compassion on people. And that word, if you break it down, the prefix calm mm-hmm. is with, mm-hmm. and then passion, calm passion. Mm-hmm. What is passion? Passion's not just, we, we think of maybe passion as this, this love, this, you know, heart-pounding love. That's not what the word actually means. We think about passion. You remember the the movie, The Passion of the Christ? Mm-hmm. The word actually, at its root, means suffering. So we're supposed to suffer with compassion. Yeah. When yeah. someone is, is suffering, when someone's sharing with you their story of suffering, we're supposed to suffer with them. Yeah. We're supposed to grieve with them. Yeah. And then, of course, we can bring Jesus into that situation because yeah. he has compassion on us, so much so that he came to this earth. And I think sharing the story of Jesus and the suffering that he went through for our sake is a way to redeem that and to show that God has entered in. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ came and suffered. Yeah. That yeah. he was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So he came and entered in to humanity's suffering and ultimately dies 
mm-hmm. so that human beings could could not experience eternal suffering yeah. and separation from God. Yeah, and what you were talking about there with um, that it it's so important to sometimes just enter into the suffering with them. I think I think it's the last example that we were going to talk about was uh, Job. It okay. is so so Job. Remember his three friends and how they did everything wrong, right? They did the things that you just identified as being dangers of when someone is suffering, that they're not necessarily looking for you to solve it or to um, to even identify what is causing it, be it your sin or whatever. Job just wanted to vent he kind of he was suffering and he would he he basically told them would you just be quiet would you just be silent yeah um (laughs) because they they were they first well they were wrong they said it was a result of his sin but and and they were were just basically saying you know man up and just deal with it and repent and turn from whatever and then he's got the wonderful wife who who says you should just curse god and die so poor job is not getting there's no one with true compassion yeah. who enters into that suffering situation. So as our last example of someone who suffered, Job isn't, um, he's, he's a little bit different from the others in that he had led the first half of his life, it sounds like, in incredible, just abundant yeah. um blessing he he had a wonderful wife although i wonder about that yeah I don't know about she, that. she might not have been a wonderful but he <laughs> had lots of kids he had lots of crops he had tons of money he was well respected he loved god he was a righteous man yeah he was like the you know mr wonderful it sounds sure. like from from the description of job which is probably why satan went after him yeah he you know this would be a good one to attack because he's so revered and he loves God so much. And Satan poses what I think is a very good question for all of us. Do, do you love God because of all the wonderful things, the things he's given you? And if those were gone, would you still love God? That's basically Satan's premise, yeah. that Job would no longer love and follow God if God removed the wonderful things from Job's life. And God agrees to let Satan have at Job. And so from my perspective, not being the one who's going through the suffering, I'm thinking, you know, Job needed to know that. This was a lesson Job needed to learn. Ultimately, if his relationship with God was truly based on his love and trust and and glorifying of God for who God is instead of what God gives, he couldn't find that, I don't think, in in his prosperity. Yeah. And and so God took well not God, but God certainly gave Satan permission to to take everything except Job's life, right? Yeah, that's right. Job loses his crops, his children Interestingly enough, God left Job's wife. <laughs> yeah, I think that's an indication. I don't think the devil even touched his wife at all. That's an indication that maybe she might have been working alongside the devil. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, his his health even was under attack. Right. And right. so I guess Job had every right to be crying out, like, Lord, why? And are he did good? cry out, why? Yeah. He did. Why are you doing this? And um, And God never answers why. 
But what God does is is talk about what God has created yeah. and how he has programmed or designed his creation for all of these amazing things, like the geese that fly south. I can't remember if he used geese, but it was something when, sure. uh, you know, the birds that, that know when to migrate and where to lay their eggs and the, the crocodile that nothing can really um, harm. The, the perfect design of their armor. Yeah. Of, uh, um, or even he, he in, turns it around and ask, asks Job a series of questions of which Job can't answer. Job can't begin to answer what God knows and what God does. And it's in seeing the magnificence of God that a change happens in Job. I know one uh, example that I've heard oftentimes, and I'm sure you have too, and it's kind of corny, I guess, but the more I ponder it, the more I'm like, that seems to be how how it is mm. with life and suffering and all the stuff. You've ever, ever heard the example of someone who's, uh, is it crocheting or, or whatever? You know how you, you have like a, a piece of cloth and then you weave into it and you have a design? Right. But if you look at it from the bottom side, it, it looks like a mess. Because there's right? all the knots. Yeah, there's all the knots that, yeah. and there's all the, yeah. bleh, and all the colors run together. Doesn't look, yeah. But if you look at the top side of it, right. It's a beautiful picture, and it, yeah. it can be a house or yeah. a dog or you know yeah. whatever. I mean, there's all kinds yeah. of things that I've seen that people uh, knit into uh, fabric, and it, it's like that, right? Yeah. It's a matter of perspective. Yeah, God sees the top side yeah. of the beautiful entire plan, and all we see are the knots. All we the see is the, is the junk, the struggles, yeah. and God yeah. is actually weaving a beautiful picture in our lives. And I think we have to help, and again, it's a matter of perspective. Mm-hmm. And we have to help these moms that we encounter at the abortion centers, these dads, and even some of these pro aborts, and even ourselves. We have to encourage each other that God is doing something. He's doing something from uh, an eternal perspective that we only kind of grasp or see from a temporal perspective. Yeah. And it does require for us to trust. And, and what else are we really stuck with, though? Yeah. We're stuck with, do we trust the Lord? Yeah. Or do we trust this temporal world mm-hmm. that within itself is all of this mess, sin yeah. and destruction and death? Are we willing to trust the Lord? And and really, we don't have a choice if we look at the Scriptures and we yeah. see this God who made the heavens and the earth. We, we must put our trust in Him. Ultimately, He is the one in control. Ultimately, He is the one that holds our eternity in His hands. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. So. And, and that's really the, the perspective. Is yeah. the eternal perspective. Yeah. When we are stuck with our roots and and our eyes and our minds and our hearts in this world, in this world only, yeah. then there's every reason to be depressed, yeah. every reason to be discouraged, every reason to to think, well, what's the purpose? Yeah. And that's why I think... Well, what's the point? And yeah. just, let's just end it all. And that's what we hear the pro so-called pro-choice crowd say, is why bring a child that you know is entering a family of suffering, entering a world of suffering? Why? Why? Let's just kill the baby now. Yeah. In yeah, the it's womb. one of the reasons why, just looking at statistics, and we were talking a little bit about this, yeah. uh, suicide statistics right. and depression. Mm-hmm. The more and more kind of an atheistic, secular mindset um, takes a grip on our society, the more and more these things increase. Yeah. Suicide rates, mm-hmm. depression, and all of this. Mm-hmm. 
Because if there is no eternal perspective, if all there is is this life, and as I said earlier, sometimes life sucks, yeah. then what is the point, yeah. right? Yeah. So we have this assurance that we've got, even though we're in this temporal world, we've got this eternal perspective that this eternal God lets us see from. And we get that perspective from His Word, and we get that perspective from being in relationship with Him. Yeah. And what we need to do as ministers of the gospel, as sidewalk ministers, is to help bring that eternal perspective to these moms mm-hmm. that are in crisis, mm-hmm. to let them know that there's a God that has compassion on them. Like, He has experienced the suffering that you're experiencing now, the stuff, the struggles that you're in right now. God knows about it. He hasn't turned a blind eye. He's not distant in some kind of deistic God. You know, the yeah. deists think that, well, there's a God, but He really has no relation to His creation. Kind of started everything and then yeah, back off. He kind yeah. of wound it up and let it go. Yeah. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is relational. He's in it. He sees it. Why he doesn't stop it and understanding all of that, I don't know. I don't he think that, that we ever tapestry. will. He sees that tapestry. He sees, I think he sees so often where if you stop that beautiful thread before it's finished the pattern, it's no longer that beautiful end result. Yeah. But we don't see that. We don't always see that. Right. And sometimes we just have to trust that he does. Right, yeah. And with people who are in the midst of that struggle, in the midst of understanding or trying to understand it, is God really good? Yeah. Listening, like we said, having compassion on them, mm-hmm. and then helping them to see from an eternal perspective, not in some self-righteous way. It was like, well, you just need to look at God's Word. You just need to read your Bible. Yeah. But in a very gracious way, we I think we can help them see. And again, I think it's sharing testimonies. Yeah. Sharing what God has done in our lives, what exactly. we've seen God in, and saying you're other not people's alone. lives. You're not yeah. alone. Look at not only in our stories, but look at through the Bible. The Bible, it, I, I, I turn people to Psalms all the time yeah. when, when they talk about, I'm all alone in this. God just, uh, he doesn't care about me. But then I'll say, you know, there's so many people in the Bible that said the same thing, that had the same struggles that you're having and the same sorrows and questions, and they cried out to God. Yeah. And his book is a story of redemption. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we see the summation of it all in the Revelation, right? which is a pretty rough story itself yeah. until you get to the end. Yeah. When you see that the Lord has uh, redeemed it all, yeah. and ultimately Jesus Christ, the, the greatest king there ever has been or ever will be, rules over it all, and he is actually the, the servant king. Yeah. And those who belong to him are in his eternal kingdom, under his rulership, where there is no more, as the Bible says, no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain, no more separation, no more darkness even. God does away with darkness and death. That's ultimately the perspective that we need to have. We can't always understand, and we can't always help people understand why, but we can help them understand who? Mm -hmm. The Lord. He is the Redeemer. And if you'll put your trust in him... He can redeem any situation. I, I found a great deal of help in, in going through these examples that, that we shared today in my ability then to go back, especially to this one woman, and talk with her about you are not alone. Listen to the people of God who suffered, but their suffering really did lead to to God. Yeah. It did lead them ultimately into a closer relationship with God. Yeah. So we've really um, shared some of these like, tragic examples from the scripture and even practical. 
right. as we started out, even the very beginning of this uh, this podcast, yeah, um, with the story from the young lady on the sidewalk, yeah. And we've talked a little bit about some of the redemption that could come, mm-hmm. but again, the question is: Is God good? Yeah. And the question uh, of suffering and evil, and then bringing the answer: Well, there's redemption. It, it, there is right, there and, is. and that's something yeah. we need to say. But yeah, kind of in the in the everyday, I guess suffering, and then ultimately redemption. What does that look like? So, is God good in the midst of these? Can you find trials? Him? Can you yeah. find? Can you find the Lord? And I don't know if purpose is the right word, but can can you find God's goodness in the midst of your struggles and suffering? And I I think you can. And yeah. I think I think we did talk a little bit about in each of those cases that that there was a a good that came about at at the end. But I I think it maybe is is good to kind of think in terms, I don't know, conceptually, so what was the what were those general goods that that came about, the general yeah. evidence of good. So um, you, in all of those stories, the circumstances were transitory. They were not permanent, which okay. we had already touched upon earlier. Um, and and so I think knowing that that no matter what we face, it's going to pass. Now yeah. it might pass to something worse in some cases, but but it is it is it is going to pass. But I think also understanding that um, our happiness is not necessarily God's goal. In fact, I think it clearly is not God's goal, but yeah. His glory and yeah. and that He would be magnified. Um, so. Maybe we could talk about in any in each of these cases how God was good in allowing suffering. So, what does suffering produce? And one of the first things that I think these stories show is that suffering produces joy. And so, maybe check out Acts sixteen, okay, verses twenty-two to twenty-four. Yeah. This was the suffering of Paul and Silas. As, yeah, yeah, fairly they, fairly well-known uh, passage right. as Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown into prison in right. Acts 16 and right. uh, verse 16. 22. Right. It says it says then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods and when they had laid many stripes on them they threw them into prison commanding that the jailer keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. Now, so this is, of course, them rejoicing in the midst of suffering. Right. But they were set free. Right. And they the, were ultimately the prison, set free, right? The, the prison yeah. doors opened up. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't end there, right? right? We might tend to think, okay, well, the prison doors opened up. They're ready to go, right? Yeah. Just march on out. Yeah. They didn't, ultimately. Uh-huh. What ultimately happened is they were a testimony and a witness to this jailer who came to know the Lord and his whole household. So this is, again, this is how God can redeem and, and bring in the midst of suffering a testimony, a witness for his own glory. For his and namesake. their response was to praise and to sing and to worship 
And yeah. so this joyful, really, worship ceremony in the midst of their terrible circumstances that nothing had changed yet. Yeah. They're still in jail, and yet they've chosen to, they've really chosen joy, joy and worship in the midst of the struggle. And the, the result then with that attitude was they were ultimately freed, and many people, a whole household, the jailer's household, came to the Lord, right? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So um, how about uh, suffering produces rewards? Yeah. So... I'll read, uh, or maybe you could read in Hebrews 11, 24 to 26. And this is talking about Moses who chose to suffer. He chose suffering. And why? Okay. But by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to a reward. He looked to a reward. He, wa- he wanted, he chose suffering, it said, yeah. that he would suffer for God because he didn't want to engage in sin. He didn't want to suffer for sin. He wanted to suffer for whatever it was that God was calling him to do, looking to the reward. And he wouldn't have been looking for a reward unless he had an assurance yeah. that there was a reward. So suffering ultimately produces a reward. Yeah. Um, how about suffering produces understanding? Okay. So think about Job, the blind man, and the crippled man. Yeah. What was the result of their suffering in terms of their relationship with God, and it seems like they were brought brought closer to the Lord. They were drawn yeah. closer to yeah. uh, to God. Yeah, for sure. They came to a greater understanding of the Lord. For sure, Job did. He yeah. said, "I had heard of you, but now I've seen you, and I repent in, in yeah. dust and ashes." So he he came to truly see God for who He was. But the um, the crippled man, you know, was rejoicing and praising God yeah. was the result. So they all came to see the power and, and glory of of God. And suffering has a way of kind of opening our eyes to what truly matters and, and yeah, also absolutely. helping us to appreciate when we're not suffering. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> like I heard, um, I I don't know the exact same, but it's like someone said that uh, banging your head with a hammer is really so valuable because when you stop, you realize <laughs> how good it feels to stop. Yeah. So when suffering <laughs> ends, there's a greater appreciation from what you've what yeah. you have been given that maybe you didn't understand before. Absolutely. I know when I was diagnosed with cancer, it was probably when I first and most appreciated the gift of life because I was at risk of losing it. Yeah. So sometimes suffering gives us that different perspective. Well, it gives us a different, yeah, an eternal perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So given all of this, how can we share the gospel effectively to God's people who are suffering? Yeah. Or people who are not yet God's people. Right. How do we share the gospel to people who are suffering? Yeah. Yeah. And how do we um, effectively convey to them in the midst of what they see is not good, and it's not, suffering's not good, it's not fun. Yeah. But how do we help them to see there is a good God? Yeah, yeah. 
And I, I wrote down four things. I think it's a hard question. I yeah. do think it's a hard question. I do think it requires um, a lot of study and prayer. But you touched on, the, on a lot of them already. We've touched on them. But number one, don't minimize the suffering. And I wrote, but magnify the mission. So they are on a mission for God. All of us are on a mission for God. We may, not, we may be kicking and screaming and rebelling against it, but we all have a mission yeah. before God. And if we can focus on what that mission is, if you're on the sidewalk, that mission is to be a voice for unborn babies. Yeah. And no one else is speaking. So is there suffering as you're ministering? There, there is. And, sure. and is there suffering in those moms? There, there is, in our case, the mission to speak for the unborn. In the mom's case, the mission is to care for that unborn yeah, and nurture that unborn and do what is right yeah. for, for that child. So um, the second one, direct attention from the suffering to the Savior. Yeah, that's good. I like S's. Yeah. Alliteration. From the suffering to from the, the Savior. From the suffering to the Savior, which is, again, your eternal perspective. Mm-hmm. Take, them, take them from where they're struggling to who is ultimately the one that will end all struggle. Yeah. And, and that's, of course, Jesus. Um, giving biblical evidence of God's promises fulfilled, and we talked about that yeah. a, a little bit, and biblical stories of those who have suffered and endured and they have come to a place, a place of peace and joy and reward. Yeah. And I'll add to that, yeah. piggybacking on that that okay. fourth point, mm-hmm. is personal stories as well. As right. I've talked a lot about um, yeah. so far in this podcast, yeah. sharing personal testimonies, how God has, and I shared a little bit of my testimony, Yeah. and I share that with, with men and women at the abortion center about yeah. how God had brought me from what I felt like was the end of the world to a yeah. whole new life in Him. Yeah sharing stories of people in situations of rape. They're redemptive stories yeah. where God has brought moms through and their child ultimately was a blessing to them right. in the midst of that terrible situation, the terrible thing that was done to them. Other stories, moms that have uh, had bad diagnosis yeah. from a doctor. Your baby mm-hmm. is going to have this situation or that situation, mm-hmm. how God was able to redeem that, turn that situation around or in the midst of that, maybe the doctor's diagnosis was correct, yeah. and yet still there are testimonies after testimonies mm-hmm. of how God was able to use that, what outwardly was a terrible situation, to bring redemption yeah. in a family, in yeah. a mother. Yeah. And so um, those stories, biblical stories and stories and that we experience uh, I know day not, by day are helpful. Yeah, I, I mean, I would rather not have the story of, of cancer, but I do, yeah. and and it, I use that story all the time. Talk about um, what was a probably one of the most severe, certainly most severe physical struggle I, I ever had to endure, but how God was there and and there in 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 amazing ways and in little things that that brought hope and and just sparks of light in in all of that darkness. So that's another really I don't know if reward is quite the right word, but um, benefit even of suffering is that you now have something you can share with others, especially if you've come out on the other side of it. Yeah. Now you have something you can share with others that, that brings hope to them. Yeah. So then I think if you've gone through all of that 
and it, for me, this was very cathartic, writing this article okay. and going through all of these testimonies of biblical figures and how they endured suffering and the, really the benefits or rewards, I don't know what quite the right word is, of, of their struggles. Then I think maybe if, if someone can be brought through that process of, of thought, then I think they maybe are more ready and able to hear who is the or what is the final and ultimate proof of the goodness of God. Yeah. Which is, of course, the cross. Yeah. Jesus at the cross. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, God in his mercy allowing himself to be crucified by the hands of men that he created, allowing himself to be crucified to pay the penalty for sin. And was it fair or just for God? Well, I mean, that's that's actually a deeper theological question. Okay, I'll answer it superficially then. So superficially, it was unfair. It was totally unfair. And it was unjust, superficially. And so when I was talking to this woman... And I said, when you were four years old, what happened to you was so unfair, so unjust. And yet you have a God who created you, who knows all about unfairness and injustice and and came to the world to solve that problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this is ultimately, as we've touched on all throughout, redemption. Yes. This is the redemption of lost humanity. Right. But also there's this scriptural picture sometimes that we can miss mm-hmm. that Jesus Christ comes to redeem lost human beings but also to redeem the creation. Mm-hmm. Right? To to yeah. the Bible says the the creation groans and waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So ultimate redemption, the creation itself is redeemed. The the new heavens and the new earth come. And what God had intended with human beings, and what God had intended with his creation, for this to be a display of his glory, and for sin not to have tainted and, and messed the whole thing up. Ultimately, Jesus' blood and his uh, resurrection from the dead brings redemption to the whole thing. So global warming won't matter. It won't matter. It's going to be okay. Yeah, it'll be all right. But it's only okay through... Christ and yeah. through God and through his redemptive process, not through whether we limit CO2, although I'm not saying we should. <laughs> well, that's another But I really podcast. like where you were going with that, that yeah. all creation is groaning in anticipation yeah. of well, what well, is, what is coming. Jesus says, behold, I make all things new. Yeah. All things new. Yeah. It's ultimate redemption. This fallen world, this, as I said before, this world that sometimes sucks, this life that sometimes sucks, is not is not going to suck anymore. Actually, yeah. it's going to be what God had originally intended, and the devil is no longer going to have a say. He's no longer going to have a foothold in this lost mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. But Jesus Christ will rule and reign over His kingdom, yeah. and uh, those that belong to Him will rule and reign beside Him. Yeah. And uh, it it's awesome that God has entered into our suffering, and that he's willing to, after he enter, enters into our suffering, we get to enter in to his victory. Mm-hmm. And that's redemption. Yeah. That's what God desires for us. Yeah. Because he's merciful. Because he's good. Because he's good. And I think we've answered our question. God God is good. Even when we can't see it at the time, Yeah. he ultimately Amen. is good. Amen. Yeah. Well, that, guys, we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, we appreciate you listening 
And uh, we would appreciate if you would share this podcast. If you would leave us a review on iTunes, you can leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Reach out to us. Uh, let us know if there are other subjects you'd like for us to cover. You can reach out to me, dparks at citiesforlife.com. You can reach out to her, vcasiorg at citiesforlife.com. We would uh, love to answer any questions that you have. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, but until next time, God bless. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. I know it will cost me my life. But nothing's too precious since I met you.